For two plus decades now, Blue October has been stirring audiences. We've watched, followed, and loved them from the early beginnings of Hate Me to whatever they show us tomorrow. We bleed blue, and many of us have used that blue blood and this amazing music to get through our own experiences. It's always been there. Welcome to Just Sway, the Blue Experience, where your host, Lucas Peterson, takes on and shares everything Blue October. Let's Just Sway. Out of the entire Blue October song collection, there is one song that many, including myself, point to as encapsulating what the band is all about today. My name is Lucas Peterson, and welcome to Just Sway. This is episode four, Fear. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm glad you're here. This is one of those episodes where I just knew it was going to come about, and I absolutely could not wait to get into it. Thus, while Just Sway is very young, I wanted to dive into fear right away in the beginning and really talk more about this staple. But first, remember if you enjoyed Just Sway, please do me a favor and leave a rating or a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Just Sway Show. I would love to hear and see what you have to say about the podcast. So take a screenshot and tag the show. Or just leave me a note and let's talk some more Blue October. The physical and spiritual awakening that is fear can be heard and felt every time Justin performs a song. Whether you see it live with a full band at an acoustic open book show, or you listen to the recorded single in your car, it's one of those songs where the elements come together so perfectly that it can scratch at that emotion you felt the first time you heard it, even many years later. And it's fascinating how the song can impact different people in so many unique ways. Everything from the beginning with the drums, the small pauses used to build up the feeling, the beautifully crafted video, and the many lyrical phrases taken from it, which is probably why it's a fan favorite. And just recently, that title of favorite song was put to the test, and that's a perfect place to start. In a unique bracket challenge that coincided with March Madness, Fellow fan Rich conducted a poll on one of the Blue October Facebook forums. Just like the NCAA basketball tournament, his bracket challenge consisted of 64 Blue October songs going head-to-head against each other where fans determined what songs advanced. I talked with Rich and I got into a bit of the intricacies of the poll, not only on the results but also on how he set it up and some interesting twists that came out of the matchups. I can give you overall. So I know that Fear, I was surprised, to be honest with you. I did have it in my top 20. So it's definitely a song that, that um, I liked and meant something. Uh, I know that it's a fan favorite from being at the shows. Uh, you know, you get back up and his energy when he says that and the energy in the crowd as they echo that. I knew it would be a contender, but I honestly didn't think that it would win. But it did win, and it won pretty handily. It, uh, the final results were uh, Fear, which had 467 votes, and the runner-up, uh, Hate Me, had 245 votes. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, a 200, uh, you know, a two-to-one margin there. Almost, I guess. Almost, yep. And what was interesting, right. though, 
right, close to two to one. Um, but I went back and, and, and just, again, something that, to your point, I will do in terms of a spreadsheet and look at. But I was just curious to, to compare those two songs, Fear versus Hate Me, for the entire tournament. And Hate Me actually had a, a few more votes throughout the whole tournament. Hate Me had uh, 2,149 votes. And Fear ended up with uh, 1,927 votes. Okay. Well, uh, part of that is uh, I would attribute that to Hate Me being their most popular song that they've released to date. So uh, that is also, that was their peak, you know, coming out in whatever it would have been, 2003 or around that time, the early 2000s, we can say. That was Blue October at the peak when that came out. Obviously, Fear is from a different era. It's a completely different Justin, a completely different band, you know, coming off of Sway and out of rehab and, you know, those types of things. So you've got a fan base that's based in this song of self-hatred. And then the Get Back Up song, as we, if we want to call it that without using its actual title, of the end of that, which is fascinating to me because it's like, oh, here, I went through this. This sucks. I don't want to like myself. I want you to just hate me because it'll be easier for me. But now I'm going to get back up. Do, do you know what I mean? Like the dichotomy there is, is really, really curious. hundred percent agree with you. And it was something that developed throughout the entire tournament where you saw older song you know whether you call them older songs newer songs depressed song versus happier songs sure that play they played out throughout the tournament and the the fans and the families who are so passionate about justin and his music were, were out in force in terms of some of the comments some people really struggled the folks that have really loved the band and have been with them through their journey through the dark side into where everyone is right now with the happiness it, it really played itself out in a number of songs and that's that's why I thought the, uh, the ending in those two finalists was perfect because it was the story that played itself out, through the, out throughout the entire tournament. You know, it's Blue October in a small little window right there. In two little songs, you can, you can describe a whole lot with those two little songs. <laughs> and, and they're not little. I'm not calling them little as in, you know, tiny songs with, with regards to Blue October's fan base at all because those songs mean a ton to a lot of people. Yeah, and the emotional ride that you go through in listening to those songs and, and reflecting back on, on your own life and, and, and your own, you know, sense of worth is, is, is just absolutely fascinating. And it was uh, fun to kind of watch it, watch it play out. I, you know, I was surprised that, you know, there was um, more, you know, there were a, a few negative comments about Hate Me, which I didn't really expect. But um, I guess that's just the evolution of the music as to where it's come from and where it is right now. Yeah, very true. And the other interesting thing about that is the fact that we're looking at those two different songs. Uh, Hate Me was a big radio play. I do not know how big a radio player Fear was, if at all. I can say that I've never turned on a radio station and heard Fear on it. Uh, not that I wouldn't play it if I was in charge of those discs, but that's my own personal choice. I've never heard that song on the radio. Now, Hate Me, on the other hand, that's been in so many things. I mean, it's been on soundtracks of different uh, movies, just like Calling You and TV shows and things like that. And Fear doesn't nearly have 
the amount of widespread publicity, and yet at the same time, it's got all, you know, almost as nearly, like you said, if you go by the numbers, it's got almost as nearly the popularity. If we go by just the final count, it was the most popular song, but you know, overall, kind of like the popular vote versus the electoral college vote in that sense, but <laughs> you know, to you a go. small degree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. I agree with you. I don't. I don't recall hearing a lot of airtime with fear. I remember the video very, very clearly when it was mm-hmm. introduced, and the 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 mantra, right, of "Get back up." Uh, I used to fall, but now I get back up. I mean, that's. Um, I, I still clear as day remember just the passion and that uh, of seeing the fans and hearing the fans, and that's what drew me more so to this band. Is when I saw their uh, acoustic set. I have as many concerts as I go to every year and throughout the 50 years that I've been alive, I have never been a part of an emotional connection with the night that I went to that acoustic show. And it was unlike anything that I've ever seen. And then to see those we- those words about, hey, everyone, you know, for the most part that's been following this band, you know my story, you know what I've been through, you know what, I'm getting back up and it's your turn, you get back up too. Yeah, I love that. That's and, and watching Justin do that song acoustically for me anyway never gets old. The way he performs that, the way he if he's just sitting there with a guitar or if he's got somebody else on piano with him, whatever, but he always does the same kind of things where he grabs the mic towards the end, he pushes it away because he knows he knows he's about to get super loud and he's going to move, but there's just that energy with that song that's about to come out and then everyone's quiet. Everyone there is in tune. I mean, he has all of us in the palm of his hands when he does that song. It's absolutely incredible. And even even a full band live show, uh, you get the same somewhat feeling, but not to the certain extent that you do, you know, on the smaller acoustic venues. But yeah, great point. I love that. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite lines um, from that song, right? It's not the, the popular chorus. It's, it's when he says, my shadows see through me. And, and that, that just, it, it, it hits so home to me that that has so many different potential meanings to different individuals. When you, you sit there and you say, yeah, there's my shadow and it's seeing through my BS meter. And I, I have to face that. I just, I just am so appreciative of him being willing, Justin, to, to put himself out there and share his words because they mean so many, so much to so many different people. And even within every every song, there's those three or four different groupings of words that just that just knock you back. That emotional connection that Rich touched on is very evident when Justin sings "Fear." And as he said, when you see or hear it done acoustically, phew, hold on. For a lot of casual Blue October fans, or even newer fans that just might be finding the band today, they might not know what that story is behind those lyrics. And then, which is something I've witnessed with people in my own life as I've shown them Justin's story, suddenly listening to their music, and particularly fear, brings about this entire spiritually connecting story. And that was one of the points author John Daly made when I talked with him. I did some searching later and uh, really realized, you know, just how hard of a time he had and, you know, the issue with his family and his first, you know, his daughter. It was, you know, he had a really hard time. You know, he t- when he would talk, he didn't really mention um, God, you know, specifically. 
Um, and he didn't do any sort of preaching or anything like that, but it was clear from the way he presented himself that his strength did come from his faith. And again, that's something you just don't see it <laughs> at concerts. Usually I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of, I am a Christian, but I'm not a fan of Christian music so much. Um, but that was, and I'm sure that's, that's something that's somewhat common at those concerts, but yeah, it was something I was not used to. Just the gratitude that he expressed and the connection with his fans was really pretty infectious. It, you could see, you know, as people would sing along and, and obviously the people around me knew more of the lyrics than I did. I knew some, um, but you could see people kind of welling up with tears in their eyes. almost. And it was, uh, he just has this connection with people. And I think in a, in a way he kind of gives people hope because uh, unlike me at that time, they knew his whole story and they saw how far he had come and to see him doing so well and look so healthy, express his, uh, the joy he has for his life and his family. I think that was really, uh, it's, that's inspiring to a lot of people. And it's even inspiring to me who I, you know, I haven't, I've never had any addiction issues or anything like that, but it's, uh, I, I, I definitely know people that have, and maybe that's uh, on some level, that's how I connect with his, with him and his music too. But yeah, it was really, uh, it was really something. And I remember we, uh, we left that night, my wife and I, you know, on the hour and a half ride home, we talked about that quite a bit and just sort of, it felt like something in us had changed a little bit. And uh, to see there's something not just inspiring about seeing somebody rebound in that fashion, but um just uh, kind of gives other people hope, you know, with with the things that we take for granted. I mean, I think a lot of us feel like we've been through a lot, and then you hear a story like that, and you, well, that person's been through a heck of a lot more, and they came back very strong, you know. Yeah. So there's there's nothing there that uh, uh, it really kind of sticks with you. The gratefulness and the perseverance John talks about is so relatable for a great number of fans. When John spoke with Justin at a meet and greet. Justin made a particular point about how he approaches showing his faith. I, I, I guess I'm guessing he probably sees every passing day as the best day of his life because things keep getting better. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that time that was probably true. But, you know, we talked about that and uh, he kind of uh, kind of opened up about his faith a little bit at that time. I'd mentioned before when we saw him, he didn't talk about it directly. But he kind of mentioned, you know, I, I told him how that was sort of we kind of left that feeling inspired and you know, we saw that part of him that he, he exudes it. Um, and he said, you know, he kind of pointed out that he doesn't kind of wear it on his sleeve. He, he, he wants to, rather than tell people about his, his faith, he wants to show people what it has done for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I thought that was great. I mean, I think that's, that's really a more effective way of, of spreading the word um, than, you know, trying to sort of, pre, you know, preach to people about it. But uh, yeah, he uh, and, you know, he he you can tell he knows that it is effective, you know, as well. I think he's he's he he sees what, you know, the way people share stories with him and how his music has changed their life in some way. And I think that, uh, you know, it's I, I, you know, I know he feels good about it. But at the same time, I always wonder and I don't know this. He didn't say anything, but I wonder if there is this. uh kind of this pressure on him where people kind of see him as sort of this uh, religious figure that I don't think he would at all consider himself. You know, he sees himself, I think, more as a, a messenger to some, to some degree. But, um, you know, you, you wonder about that. A definite message of hope, perseverance, and now in his own life, triumph after many years of sobriety, 
Fear is an embodiment of all of those things. That redemption is real. It's palpable when you listen to this song. And there's a real sense of humility, something else John feels when he listens to the music. John used that same sentiment in his own life in just the last few years with some very tough personal challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the lasting effect that you've taken from the music and Justin's story? It really is, and I, th- I think I said in, in both those columns that a Blue October concert is very good for the soul because there's a sort of a humility that comes along with it. And um, yeah, you leave, you just, you, you see, uh, and I'm a big, I'm a big believer in redemption. I was before, even, even before I went and saw Blue October. And maybe that's one of the reasons it connects with me on that level. My, my books are actually the whole series. That's sort of the, uh, the background theme is redemption. It does follow an alcoholic um, is that the protagonist is a very flawed um, alcoholic guy who's down on his luck, who's made a lot of bad decisions he is kind of given an opportunity through a series of events to sort of turn his life around. And he kind of claws his way back up throughout this, through the series, uh, repairing relationships that had gone wrong. It's sort of a side story, but um, I think maybe I've always sort of been um, drawn to those sorts of things. And when you see it practiced and, and successful um, to a large extent with someone like Justin, I think it really kind of sticks with you and inspires you and, uh, it even makes you think about some of the the things that people worry about in their everyday lives and kind of realize, you know, there are people that have much bigger struggles and much larger hills to climb who have who've come back. And it, it does give you hope that, you know, very, very tough things can be overcome. You know, one, I'll throw out some a few a few personal items over the past two years about a year yeah. ago my my uh son he went through he had to have major spine surgery he had scoliosis to a very sharp angle and that was sort of a it's a rough thing for parents to go through when you see your son struggling with that sort of thing and you see that he's going to have all this metal placed permanently um in his spine to straighten him out and hopefully let him grow a little bit more before his his growth is stinted and and then this year, my wife, um, I mentioned to you on the phone that, or on email that she had gone through surgery. She was actually diagnosed with breast cancer a few weeks ago. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, sort of. So that's another another thing that kind of, um, you know, life, life deals you some weird things. But uh, the good news is they found it very early. She had surgery. It's been removed. She's cancer free. She's making a great recovery. But it's, it's you know, it's experiences that kind of remind you that God really can't help if you put faith in him and let him do some of the worrying for you. And I don't think we would have gotten through these sort of sort of things nearly as easily um, if, if we didn't believe that. And again, I think anytime you see someone um, especially with the platform of someone like, you know, that Justin has kind of espousing those same sorts of things, you know, uh, the strength it takes, the struggle it takes, but you can get there. And, uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's sort of a message you kind of, you kind of take with you and any sort of reminder like that and any sort of real life testimonials, usually, uh, something that I, I, I kind of pay attention to. Well, yeah, you made a particular note of it with, um, the one article that I read with the B story. So that the B story, which mm. among most Blue October fans, they know what this B story is because 
it's you know circulated throughout or you've been to an open book show such as yourself and heard the story in person mm-hmm. but that that story encompasses so much of his faith that's that's justin's higher power right there right right you know, and it's simplified of course but mm-hmm. but it is you know it's simplified in me calling it the b story if you have not heard or seen the b story i highly recommend you do so The story is something Justin talks about at his open book shows, but if you aren't able to get to one of them in person, there are multiple versions of the story available online. I'll link to one of them in the show notes as well, if you want a quick shortcut. But please heed my advice, and if you can make an open book show, it's the much preferred way to experience it. Fear was written after the B story took place, and when you do experience that story for yourself, You might understand a bit of the warmth that John described when he was dealing with his son's health issues, and he would take the time on his own to look for some peace. And I did a lot of, you know, especially during that first, before that first surgery with my son. I mean, we knew for two years he was eventually going to have to have surgery. He was diagnosed at the age of 11, and he wore a brace under his clothes for um, about two years, uh, 23 hours a day. Um, in hopes that the idea, the way the way scoliosis works is that it only gets worse as you grow taller. So okay. um, if you're so the idea of wearing a brace, if if it's if the, if the curve is not that sharp, a lot of times the brace can kind of keep the curve from getting worse. It's not going to fix it, but it's going to keep it from getting worse until you the person with, with the scoliosis reaches the point where they're not growing any taller, you know, once they're past their teen years and all that stuff. With his case, we knew all along he was going to have to have it. We were just hoping he could grow f- more before we had to pull the trigger on that because once that happens, it does. It doesn't stop your growth. You know, your legs still grow and parts of your vertebrae do, but a lot of it doesn't. And so we wanted to help him get a little bit taller before we went ahead and did it. But, um, you yeah, know, there were nights that I would go into our church and, uh, we have this thing on Wednesdays where it's sort of, uh, it's mainly for the kids. It's called Word on Wednesday. And the kids um, have their different groups and they talk about different things. And somehow, a lot of times, the parents are kind of left to do whatever they want, you know. And I remember I would kind of escape into the uh, main part of the church and nobody would be there. The lights were off and I would just kind of sit there and pray. And, you know, there were times where you just kind of feel this, this, something telling you that it's going to be okay and uh to let you know to let god do the worrying and you you focus on the things that you can fix you know the things that you can deal with and god will take care of the rest and um you know i dare say (laughs) he hasn't let me down yet (laughs) so um uh, it's been it's been uh yeah it's something that i so it's something that i carry with me i think it's just it's been through experiences it was never really pounded in my head when I was younger and um, you know if someone was were to you know ask me you know what verses and is in which part of the Bible I would fail at that I am terrible at that. <laughs> sure, um, sure. so it's more of the this the belief in God I don't always you know I, I'm not a I, I've read a, a chunk of the Bible I have not read at all like a lot of people have um, but uh, I am a believer in the word and it's, it's something that uh, keeps proving itself to me, I guess, to some extent. So I feel very fortunate in that respect. That humility extends to you as well, John. And I want to take a second here and say thank you for sharing that very personal story. I know I related with it in a few ways. And if you'd like to get more information on John Daly, 
I'll put some additional info on him with some links in the episode notes. For some of us, fear is one of those songs we turn to when we need a pickup, when we need to hear and be told, get back up. As well, for many, it's not only a spiritual or emotional connection, but we can translate into the physical through things like pictures, posters, items with the lyrics on it that we can see, feel, and touch. And that's the case with Tara, who we heard from in episode 2, Origins. Not only did she write an entire book about her very personal struggles, but for Tara, fear and that lyric to get back up are a daily mantra as she deals with physical pain and past emotional trauma. My get back up tattoo was very impulsive. Give a brief description of what it is. So it's just, it's on my right arm and it's... Your right forearm. My right forearm. And Inside. It, yeah, and it's a blue heart um, and it's in script, get back up. You know, I went, so it was uh, June of last year. It was Father's Day weekend, and I had gotten into a huge fight with Emery. We had just seen Blue the weekend prior. He was acting weird. I was like, the fuck is wrong with you, dude? And I was fighting with him because I, I, he wasn't showing any emotion anymore. And I was like, is it because we're going on 10 years? Like, I couldn't figure it out, and... It was hurting me so bad, so I was, like, poking at him because I wanted him to just to show emotion to, like, fight, and he wouldn't do it. And uh, he had to work. I was house-sitting for my dad. I house-sit, him, house-sit for him about once a year when he goes camping. He has dogs and chickens and stuff, so I take care of the house, and it's my little vacation. It's where we got married. We got married on my dad's property, which makes this story even that much worse. But... um so he left on Friday to go to work. My best friend came up Friday night just to hang out. It was planned. Didn't hear from him. Cool. Needs time to cool off. He was that person. Like, if I need time to cool off, I'll come back to you. Don't try and chase me. I learned that. Thank God. And he's probably looking at me right now like, well, at least you learned something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Saturday, I didn't hear from him. But he was posting some cryptic ass shit on Facebook. And my, my girlfriend called me. She's like, all right, what's up? Because she knew. She's like, hmm. She's like, something's not right. I was like, I don't know what's going on, you know. But then, so that was Saturday. I didn't hear from him, you know. But Sunday was Father's Day. Um, I was planning on taking him to, we were going to go to the fair because we went every year. My friend Chris, who actually worked with my husband, um, we're super close. And he was at the time just a, a, a graveyard dealer. And so he'd be up late at night and... um you know, he would always freaking send me stupid ass videos on Facebook and stuff and, you know, just random ass shit. And, you know, cause he knew why I'd be up, we'd chat or whatever. And a lot of times he, and actually, um, that particular weekend, you know, my face was in a lot of pain, so I couldn't sleep. So I was glad that I had someone to talk to because, well, my husband wasn't talking to me and Chris was the only one. He actually was like, Hey, let's see if Tara's up, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I finally fell asleep and I wake up on Father's Day. Was gonna shoot him a text, like done being a little bitch, like Happy Father's Day, I love you. Come on, dude. And instead, I get this text message, and it was a very long one. And anyone who knows my husband knows that he can write. Like, if you're talking like the pen is mightier than the sword, that is him. And he sent me this text message about how he's going to give me what I want 
And by the end of the week, he's going to have papers drawn up because we're getting a divorce and he's moving out. And I'm like, the fuck is this? Like I read it and all of a sudden the tears are just flowing and I, I feel my whole world literally crashing down and I can't see and I'm, and I, you know, so first I text him back. I'm like, you're a fucking pussy. Come tell me to my face, like not happening. But inside I'm like, Jesus Christ, like. I gave you your space for two fucking days. That's it. Like, that's what you like. And I'm walking around and I'm walking around the house. And I reached out to two people that morning because I was like, I'm going to do something stupid. Like, my life's over. Like, he wants to leave me. I wasn't in the right right frame of mind. My face, again, started to flare up. Pain. The pain. Physical pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. I was in every amount of pain you can think of. I, uh, my, my, my dad leaves me his revolver when he leaves for camping. Um, I don't shoot it, just sits there. More than likely, if an intruder gets into my dad's house, I will applaud him because it's really difficult to get into. The driveway is really long. Like, it's (laughs) like, we'll give you, yeah, like one of those properties, like, bravo, dude. Like, you made it up to this house, right? But I thought, I, I looked at it and I'm like, well, I said, no one's going to miss me. Fuck, my husband wants to leave me. He, he, he gives me, shoots me a text message. Like, at least when I told my ex-husband that I want to divorce him, it was to his face. Like, we were talking and I was bawling my eyes out. And, like, this cold-ass motherfucker is sending me a text message on Father's Day. Yeah. So I reached out to my, my girlfriend. She was at church. Um, you know, she called me a little later. And then I, I also reached out to Chris. I had just talked to him because those were the two people I really saw. And uh, that weekend or talked to that weekend, you know, and at that moment in time, I completely forgot it was Father's Day. And he's like, and I was like, hey, can we go to lunch? And he had no idea why I was reaching out to him. I just was reaching out to him. And he goes, oh, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, you know, I'm spending time with my family today. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's Father's Day. Well, it was also his days off, his day off. And he spent time with his brother and niece and nephew. But I was like, oh, shit, you're right. It's Father's Day. I'm so sorry. But for whatever reason, just talking to him and just, you know, talking to him and my girlfriend calmed me down. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to shoot myself. One, I'll probably miss and hurt myself. And I'll be lying here just bleeding to death before someone can find me a week later. So not really smart. Um, so I grabbed my, I grabbed my stepmom's car keys cause I, I get their, you know, my car wouldn't have made it up the hill, but I grabbed her car keys and I, I took her truck and I drove down to my tattoo shop and, um, my guy wasn't there, but there was another guy at the shop and I'm freaking in tears and I'm like, my husband just, and they know me cause I've gotten a lot of work there and I'm like, I need a tattoo and. Um, so I told him, I said, you know, I want it. And I knew I wanted a fear tattoo. I did. And for whatever reason, it just, that was the most, that was the right time to get it. Um, and every time I look at it, I think to myself, like, that would have been really stupid of me to try and shoot myself. That would have been, I would have, if I had succeeded, my daughter would have been without a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my, my, my dad would have put out a daughter and, you know, my friends would have missed me and, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I sat there and, you know, I'm crying through, I'm, I'm just crying. <laughs> the guy who did my tattoo, he goes, are you in pain? I'm like, not from the tattoo. You know, it was very therapeutic for me. 
But every time I look at it, you know, it's a very painful story of how I got it. But every time I look at it, I'm like, okay, I meant to be here. I meant to, you know, do great things. Today, I don't have to fall apart. And I don't have to be afraid. Debbie also has a physical connection and impression with fear, but it's a little bit different than what Tara described. Her connection came when least expected, following a tragic time in her life that would eventually be the light and lead her out of her own addiction. This is from the video of fear. fear. Yep. And it's when he has his hands and he, he's praying in a praying stance and he shakes his head yes. Like, yes. Uh-huh. Well... My brother committed suicide, and I was circling the drain lost. I didn't know which end was up. I was just freaked out. And I had gotten back to Dallas. Dang it. And you know how you want to put a song to something so tragic? And I'm like, all right, I need a song. So I turned on the radio, and I have never before... And never again heard this on the radio, but it was fear. And I, my mouth dropped open, and I heard the lyrics, and I immediately Googled the lyrics. I was like, who is this? And it, it was Blue October. Well, if you listen to fear from a standpoint of losing someone and thinking, okay, he's up there. And he's he's okay. He didn't have a care. He, he no more fear, and that's how I saw the song at first. Okay, okay, and then I got home, and it was two or three days later. I was sitting on the side of my bed looking at Michael's picture, and I put on the song. And when Justin, when that stance happened, and he shook his head yes, it was a spiritual experience like none other I immediately knew the song was for me not for Michael Mm, that was the message that was the lightning bolt that was the blue bug and that's when I got bitten and I just was like my head was spinning I, I just didn't know what to think didn't know what to do and and I just kept listening and listen, 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 and pulled up every Blue October song I could find, and bought every CD I could find, and it, it, just an incredible experience. Because if it weren't for it, I would be dead probably, like pushing daisies. I mean, it's everything. That's a powerful statement, and you know you're one of many. Yeah. That's the thing, is you're one of many. And then at the same time, and you know this because you've met him a number of times, when you're there standing right there in front of that guy, he makes you feel like it's just you. Yeah. And when he's on that stage and singing, it's just you he's singing to. Yeah. We all have that. Yeah. You know, that strange connection to the music because we've used it. Well, he he's an earth angel for sure. And... You know, with no doubt in my mind, um, God is surely using them. And 
it's powerful and it's very cool and it's to me it's everything it's what it's about it took a tragedy in debbie losing her brother to addiction for her to be saved and fear was that light this song is so much more than those few minutes it can be an awakening a call to dig deep a life-changing altering moment when it really hits and connects for christine that's exactly what happened with her husband, Dave. My husband was the first one to actually get into Blue October. He introduced it to me. To me, it was music. It was good. I could take it or leave it. It wasn't a big... They were great, I mean, but they just weren't as they are now. Like, it's hard to explain, but I will try. Okay, so my husband had gotten hard at work, and had a couple of spinal surgeries and then found out he couldn't work anymore and then started to get kind of depressed. And he found a lot of solace in, if that's the right word, solace in Blue October's music. I don't know if Fear had just come out or if he had just found it. Because again, this was, he went into the music on his own. It was a head, grabbed his headphones, went into the other room, listened to the music. He very much would shut himself out. He would kind of shut himself off from the rest of the family, just go into one room, have the headphones on. And then when he heard fear, a feeling I don't understand holding me down. Needed some time apart. And he went, stayed at his mom's, and did what he could to take care of himself. After the last hospital stay, it was a couple weeks stay in the hospital, he had come over to see the kids. And that's when he heard fear for the first time. And he was so moved by it, by that song, by the video he watched, um, I think it's on BMO or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was so moved by, there's a, one scene in the video, I'm sure you've heard it, seen it a million yes. times, <laughs> the scene where he stands into the water and, and, and Justin just goes, like, you could feel his words. Mm-hmm. So my husband called me in, had me watch the video with him, it was just the two of us, and he tears in his eyes, like, streaming down his face, and He looked at me and said, I'm going to be okay. Can I come back home? I know I'm going to be okay. I feel it now. And I think that was the first time that he really felt Blue October's music. He felt like he was worth something. Those were his exact words. He's like, I feel like I'm worth something. I should be here for you and the kids. I need to be, I need to be okay. I'm gonna be okay. And to be completely 100% honest, he was. He never tried to hurt himself again. He never talked about hurting himself again. 
he felt it. Like he got their message saying that, you know, get the hell back up. You are worth this. And that's when I started, okay, there's something to this music. There's something, but it was his something. It, it wasn't my something. It was like my husband's something. He, from that point on, I mean, the headphones were on every night. He came home, he stayed, still kind of slept in the living room for a little while, but listening to their message, listening to their words, that just, he's, he felt it. He knew that he was okay, that he was gonna be okay, that he could essentially get back up. Christine's story does not end there. The struggles and triumphs her and Dave would share over the coming years would become a beautiful story of hope and connection. For Dave and Christine, fear was just the beginning. But we're going to leave that story for a later time. I will tell you that my new friend Christine from Boston, a proud Patriots fan, is as of this premiere, on her way to her very first Blue October concert tomorrow night at the House of Blues in Boston. I so wish I could be there to capture the joy on her face for my own memories but I promise I'll be checking back in with her after that experience is finished. I'm so excited for you, girl. Go enjoy it for everything that it is. I want to say thank you for listening and for all the support. This episode was, for myself, one of my most difficult endeavors. These stories are real, and I cannot tell you how honored I am to be trusted with them and that I am able to share them with you. If you would like to talk with me about your own Blue October story, please connect with me through either the Just Wave Facebook page or on Instagram. I would love to talk with you. Finally, until the next time you hear my voice, keep graceful dancing. And you're a superstar on your own And I'm looking over your shoulder Getting older and gone